Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels podcast. I am Will Atkinson and I am joined by Nate Stevens, Craig Schumann, and Polly Kroll. This is going to be our episode for In Space with Markiplier. Please note that we will be spoiling the shit out of this if that matters to you. We will have the link in all the stuff below. Go check it out first. Shouldn't take you too long. It's pretty cool. In Space is a uh, interactive YouTube video, somewhat akin to a choose-your-own-adventure game. But before we get there, we always like to start with a question to get to know the crew. Our question this week is, who are your favorite YouTubers? And let's start with Sweet Craig. All right. You guys already know that I had a harder time narrowing this down. So from a game perspective... I think no clip and supporting Daniel Dwyer and what he does from a documentary perspective, as well as honorable mentions to like people make games, writing on games and game makers toolkit. And then non-game related, uh, MKBHD, Johnny Harris and Benjamin with Babish, as well as Luke Thomas. All right, I'm done. We don't know it. Well, okay. Okay. All right. Who do we know, Nate? Who do we need to know, Nate? Uh, my favorite is obviously Mr. Regular of Regular Car Reviews. It's like a philosophical review of normal ass cars every week. Uh, second place probably goes to the number file and all related channels. The University of Nottingham and Brady Heron runs a... Oh, uh, I wish li- I had remembered that one. It's <laughs> very good. He's, Brady Heron is just such a wonderful, like, radiant interviewer. He's kind of a, a low-key inspiration to me in general across all the things that he does. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't call out VHS Rallies, which is a channel of just some British guy that goes around and finds all the rare rally footage from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s on VHS and just uploads them to YouTube. They're pretty, pretty vibey. That's also a cool resource. Cool. All right. And uh, Polly, would you be so kind? Yeah, I'm going to have to throw out uh, my boy Pat Finnerty. Recently, I've been obsessed with his videos, watching them multiple times. He does this whole series of what makes this song stink, which is an exploration of bad music. Um, it's, um, Ooh. it's kind of referencing those, uh, that guy Beato that does the, what makes this song great videos, but he goes to some like places with his videos, uh, very comical, but also like gets like deep and philosophical. And there's certain times where it makes me feel like a, uh, like proud of humanity and things like that with some of the things he does, despite the fact that he's doing negative song reviews. Um, it's great. I definitely recommend. Um, he would he would be the one if we were just choosing one, but if I had some backups, because I watch a lot of YouTube videos, I would... It's so tough for me to pick something. Um, recently, I've just been watching a lot of Warzone stuff, so um, Stone Mountain 64 and his whole fast crew with Fuglet Aculite and Tomographic. Um, that's a lot of fun, but they have a whole lot of other people that get into it as well. And uh, I don't normally watch VTubers, but recently I've been uh, watching Code Miko as she does some interesting um, computer-generated persona stuff and interviews with other people and game shows and things like that that she hosts. But I'm less interested in the uh, pop culture stuff because it seems like everybody wants to reference the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trials right now. I'm just not into it. But other than that, I 
want to interrupt and say thank you for one person on this podcast being culturally relevant, fucking Warzone and VTubers, Polly. Very good job. <laughs> yeah, but you Pat Finnerty is the one that I would say. Okay. okay. It reminds me when enough. I first when I first found that, I think I brought it up to you, Nate, as I found the regular car reviews of music. Um, because that's what it started off as, but then as I watched more, I realized that it it kind of goes, there's, there's sort of a plot line through his videos. It's kind of ridiculous. So definitely check. I remember you mentioning that. I definitely want to watch this. Sounds rad. All right. I'm going to try and keep this quick. My daily news guy is Philip DeFranco. I love the way he uh, breaks He's down cool. stuff that's going on in the world. I love me some corridor crew. These guys do a bunch of visual of visual effects and um, special effects and 3D modeling and all kinds of cool shit. And they do a weekly like uh, VFX artists react and stuntmen react and all kinds of uh, cool stuff. As far as like art guys, Jazza's super, super cool. He's like this crazy like, um, hey kids, let's make cool drawings. Um, this got some really awesome energy. I recently got into some climbing guys. Um, I'm a big fan of Magnus Mitbo, who's a climber, and Anton Fomenko, who is a uh, ninja warrior. Uh, I'm going to count that as one. And then all the Crooked Media, Pod Save America stuff uh, has been a lot of my political stuff lately that I've been watching. Oh, and I can't forget um, Adam Savage. Adam Savage is just a freaking... He is great to listen to. He's got such positive energy. He's always just like, yeah, that's really nice. I wish... Yeah, everybody should live in an Adam Savage world. It's my dream to be a co-host that after like four years of a majorly successful show admits that I hated the co-host and no one would know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, No spoilers for this podcast. I was going to say. Savage was like a YouTuber that I didn't realize he had like a major YouTube channel and one of my other friends turned me on and I was like, oh, this content is very wholesome and nice. I also, I forgot to mention kind of funny, which... Definitely should have called that out. Yeah, and I forgot to mention uh, Paul's <laughs> Hardware because I watch so many tech uh, videos and everything like oh that. God. There's, there's a lot of them. We have to stop. This segment could go for hours. <laughs> but, They're going to talk more about this than the actual thing. All right, Paul's Nate, who did you forget to mention? the best. I didn't forget to mention anyone because I stuck to my boring old three. <laughs> all right. And I'm less interesting than all three of you. Let's talk about the game, though. Yeah, so to get started, let us each give you a quick uh, explanation of the story of this game. All right. So within my playthrough, I had a, I don't know, a random experience trying to understand what was actually occurring through Mark and everything that was happening with the ship and all the different twists and turns that it took across the wormhole. All started out pretty normal, fixing life support and waking up the crew and trying to kind of handle those pieces, uh, ended up sending Mark through again multiple times and then give Mark the opportunity to pretty much do all the things, right? So he was the one that would go and explore planets. He helped colonize planets or set them up, but he eventually killed me. So that wasn't great, me being the captain. And then once that kind of ended and we moved into the, the false finish there, started jumping into the wormhole, did that a whole bunch of times. Um, Ended up finding an alien. That was kind of weird. The alien then turned into a uh, noir. Um, so, yeah. 
got uh, shot up by a Tommy gun from the wormhole. Anyways, um, continue to move forward, trying to figure out what the way forward was and opened up a door that turned into a creepy jump scare. Um, so maybe we've turned into like a horror thing. Not really sure what was happening there. And then after that, continued to open the door, ended up breaking the fourth wall, ended up on a sound stage, found the old me. The old me tried to kill me or the old Mark tried to kill Captain me. That didn't go up very well. They blew up a hand, ended up with a paradox that rolled credits on part one. Uh, part two, very confusing, ended up starting back up and having the option to choose a romance story versus a horror story. Uh, and from there kind of went on a whole bunch of different trips around doom callbacks and other video game callbacks and things like that. Not really sure where the story was actually going at this point. Um, didn't really find an option on how to move forward and ended up continuing to go through a bunch of different variations of the wormhole until it circled me back to part one and all of the original iterations of how I jumped into the wormhole the first time. And after like four or so videos of that, I stopped doing that. And that was the end of my playthrough. So I didn't really get a resolution. I have no idea what actually happened or how to exit the wormhole, but that's where we finished. Hello. All right, so in true date form, I don't remember a lot of what happened. And unfortunately, due to some kind of weird glitch, I lost my notepad file that I was taking notes on. So I don't have a lot of memory of this. I did this last night. You'd think I would remember more. But uh, in part one, I kept choosing kind of the funny choices. Uh, and those were really great. But they didn't really lead me to anything that was kind of a plot summary. And I ended going towards the light in kind of a fail state. Um, I don't remember getting any, like, colonizing or anything like that. Um, so that having seen the second playthrough to the gate that we did together, I was like, oh man, there was more plot in a success path that I did not find. Like, for example, when I was summoning the crew, I kept seeing them all turn into the old lady. And apparently that's not what happened for other people. So I'm not really sure why that was the case. In part two, I saw a lot of vignettes and I saw a lot of time in the noir, which was really cool. But I never really got a clear understanding of what the heck was going on, and I didn't see credits in either part one or part two. So I really wish I'd kept better notes, but I am pretty confused as to what the heck's going on overall here. That's about what I can say. I wish I had more specifics. Okay, so what happens in this game? You are the captain, and Markiplier's your engineer. Um things go wild when you're trying to take the crew on a jump through the wormhole. As you wake up after jumping through the wormhole, everything has gone haywire. Um, all the systems in the ship are blowing up. You kind of resolve all the minor ship's ship system failures, only to find that the warp drive is completely bonkers and you can't even get to it. Um, eventually, when you do get to it, you find that there's been some temporal paradox, which makes you... Um, it The warp drive gives you a little blue gem on your hand so that you can continually be reincarnated. Uh, turns out later that you're not actually being reincarnated. You're 
jumping back and forth through different universes. Um, and then... Um, you're then trying... Um, kind of the end of the first episode gets to a point where you make it to a planet, live happily ever after, but then when you die, it ends up restarting the cycle. And so most of the second act is trying to figure out how do you go back and stop. And it involves jumping through a bunch of different timelines, different, different stories, uh, uh, different... Um, um, versions like the Game Boy version, a lot of cool stuff there. And you see like a bunch of different versions of Markiplier. And in the end, um you get to decide or in the end Markiplier quote unquote rebuilds the warp core so that he can go back in time to stop you from making the decision to uh that that starts this whole process off. But it turns out if you don't let him go, then you realize that he had been the one to create the original warp core and sent it back to start the whole thing up. It's got a beautiful bootstrap paradox problem in it that is solved by you destroying the warp core. Uh, and that's about it. All right. So I feel like the plot synopsis of this movie is complicated only because of the offshoots that happen because of the wormhole paradox. I don't feel like the plot's actually too hard to sum up if you consider the ending, at least the ending that I got. So that's where I'll start right from the ending, because the warp core that allows the ship to travel through a wormhole at warp speed was created by Mark after the ship went into said wormhole. So it's a paradox warp core where because we were granted infinite lives and infinite time, there was time for the paradoxical warp core to be destroyed and recreated by Mark. And that is why he doesn't know how it works, but he can still use it. So the story is we get into a spaceship and travel to another world using a warp core that was created during that warp travel. And a lot of stuff happens along the way. So that was great, guys. Thanks uh, for everybody giving us their explanation how, what happened. How do you possibly know that that was great, Will? <laughs> I just know. <laughs> was it? He took a left turn in the wormhole. Nate's going to make it sound gr uh, brilliant. Again and again and again. Can we start by asking, Will, is this a game? I think so. Let me so. answer for you, Will. No, it is not a game. This is a movie. And a counter question for you, Will. Why are we... Why, why is this the first movie that we have on Why is this not Demon a game? I, no, I think that Walking Dead is pretty damn close to this game, or this. There's definitely a bunch of budget games on the PSN that are literally videos that you click through options of what to do next. I mean, we played yes. through seasons of The Walking Dead, yeah. and after the first episode of Walking Dead, it's basically this. 
there are straight up live action FMV games now. Oh yeah, and we've I've played some of those with Nate before. Well, they're those. Yeah. Those, What's how uh, does this differ from that? Besides being on a different platform. Yeah. Well, let's not I, fucking gatekeep what a game is because the fucking well, rest of the internet's for that. Let wait. me gatekeep instead what a movie is. And I'll tell you what a movie is. When I'm at a theater, I don't point at the left or the right side of the screen and get different things happening. Therefore, this is not a fucking movie. I, I, I think you guys are taking what Correct. I said as gatekeeping, whereas it's not how I, I meant it. I just feel like I was mocking. It seems gatekeeping. This is much different than. Uh, Walking Dead, it's more similar to things like the Complex and other uh, cinematic choice games or Bandersnatch on Netflix or any of those. Yeah, is Bandersnatch a game? Yeah, I think any amount of interactivity means it's not a movie. Interesting. So this had interactivity, so we're on board? I That's my claim. I don't think Polly's going to agree, though, by the sounds of things. No, I, I, this was totally just a watching experience and, and not so what much about, a... Uh... What's your pickup artist game there, Nate? My pickup artist. Oh, <laughs> I heard pick a partist. Um, super seducer. Two yeah. colon advanced seduction tactics. Is that apparently than this? not a game? Well, it has a menu that gives you scores on things, and I bet that's the threshold for Polly. I I feel like you guys are taking it negatively, though. I did enjoy this quite a bit. I just don't feel I'm, like this is a typical no, game I'm, that we would play. Uh, I I'm, thought that would be an I'm interesting conversation to have. I have to be defensive about this topic, considering the future of my ability to get you guys to cover walking simulators is at stake here. Absolutely true. All right, so I think we should just break it down to... I think we should just start... It's an interactive All right, guys, what does it mean feature? to play? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, all we need to do... <laughs> this is going to be a short one, but let's begin. Yeah. What does by defining play game mean? No, let's let's start at play, and then we can define game. What does is? I, I mean, I clicked on the bonus I, features of my Harry Potter DVD. Does that make it a game? Fuck, DVDs <laughs> do have a menu. Fuck. That you know, in some sense, that's almost a reduction of interactivity over the years. Well, I guess Netflix itself is an app. Yeah. Man, did the Matrix DVD come with a game on it? Netflix had games that are basically this as well, right? Oh my so God. So DVDs are games, but Netflix snatch. is movies. Is it interactive so, film? So a movie could be presented in a way that makes it a game. Because to me, it's less okay. of a strictly defined what a game and what a movie is. And it's more of the uh, old Supreme Court pornography judgment where. Okay. <laughs> All right. So sure. yeah, 10 Let minutes. Me ask yeah, you no, this, I, I agree with that. Craig. What's your favorite part of this game? Uh, when it was over. <laughs> oh, okay. God, this 2022, Craig, is fucking... I'm not ready for it yet, I don't think. All right, let me try that again. So, Polly, <laughs> what's your favorite part of this game? I really um, Woo. enjoyed the humor in this a lot. I thought that uh, the way that they did the branching narratives, I, I felt it a little bit on the first playthrough, but the way we did this, to pull back the curtain a little bit, is we each played it individually, and then just recently we played through part one together. And seeing that other choice results was much more... Um, dynamic and featured than I thought it would be. Um, so I thought it was pretty, pretty good. My favorite part of it would probably just be the humor of it. And the fact that at the end of my playthrough, 
everything made sense to me. I could see some frustration coming through if you got, uh, if you ended up going down some paths that could have been a bit more confusing. To be fair, I'll, I will throw back in there the soundstage moment where you kind of open the door into where they were recording all of the content. Very good. I noted that down as a most excellent moment. Same with the, the Doom callback to filmed first-person shooting. That was really fun. Yeah, I was I like part two had that. a lot more throwbacks. Oh, yeah. Part two is definitely a lot more throwbacks. I was feeling that Doom 2016 vibe the whole time. Um, yeah, all the hands. That, yeah. What, well, you guys, yeah. What exactly are you guys you referring that. to? Because I didn't get the Doom reference. So in Doom 2016, you start the game by, like, the computer's talking to you, and you just fucking rip the computer off the wall and punch shit. And, like, yeah. oh, I was... like, the whole vibe of, like, just smashing shit and, and like, disregarding all the, the stuff. And, like, all in that first-person like there's all this cool technology around if, but it's just for me to smash to get through to the next thing like for that for me that like totally felt like that same doom 2016 energy so i was referencing the classic film doom from 2005 starring carl urban and dwayne johnson or the rock uh where they have the first person shooter segment in the movie where like it's all filmed from first person perspective and this what? felt exactly like that. Wow. There was that's, an entire It's segment. weird that you're the rock reference is hipster in this case. Yeah. Well back then he oh God. No, I think back then on the credits he went by just the rock and wasn't Dwayne Johnson at the time. Still dead a year. Anyways. Huh. That was uh that was interesting to me. So pretty much you guys are saying the same thing, only slightly different. So yeah. the fact that, yeah, totally the fact that it's flavor, first person and has hands and with Will the added bonus of they smash things is the dude. No, I think more specifically, it's like a style of comedy based on like overacting silent protagonist with only hands is the like means of expressing emotion is like yeah. I mean sounds about right. I you've you've all seen more media than me, but it, it, it just the style of humor kind of matches along with kind of the overacting and the sort of like, I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah. I did I did think that was pretty interesting the way they presented this all as a first person thing and not necessarily the idea, but the way it was carried out. I felt was actually done really well with some of the effects and some of the predicaments it put you in and things like that. They also had a lot of jokes revolving around that, but it wasn't just just uses a joke either they, they it seemed like they they did that for a reason totally i agree i i think my favorite part of this was markiplier i really like his i was waiting for you to I, call out his voice it's really uh, oh, like silky smooth voice. Right? yeah he has such an amazing voice i've watched some of his stuff before all this and just was immediately captured by it but his his acting as well is almost like that sort of Star Trek kind of like coming out of um, like drama departments. Like, you know, what I, you know what I mean? Well, does this make sense? You... It almost feels like everything is a little, a little bit too, too much. Everything is too much. And that's like his, his style. It's just a little bit of overacting every single time. Yeah. Like extremely consistently and precisely. I, I would imagine that pulls well with children, right? If you haven't fully developed your sort of like, it, it just kind of makes sense to me in that sense. Um, I'm surprised that you I said just, a little bit of overacting. I thought everything was overacted, overacted. 
it was consistently yeah. overacted, but he wasn't like. Well, it didn't, he, like, there were it, quite yeah, a few. It, it, it was like overacted, but it didn't feel like bad acting, which is a really specific yeah balance. I think because it didn't feel like they were trying to be good actors. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I thought that there was some characters that uh, weren't necessarily, it wasn't like just bad acting the whole time either. It didn't come off as bad acting. It came off as B-movie more than. Oh, absolutely. They all were like the best version of B-movie. They know that they're having fun with this, right? Yeah. So one of the reasons I, uh, well, Honestly, the the reason that I this came on my radar in the first place is because while watching Corridor Crew, uh, Markiplier had an episode on there where he was explaining a lot of the VFX that happened, and it, I think it's interesting that nobody has called out all of the special effects. There are so many special effects, and and you know, kind of because nobody has called them out as like being horrible or like hurting their eyes or anything. I would hazard to say that he did a pretty good job of like keeping everything if not great special effects and i think some of them really were at least good enough that it didn't bother anybody like there's a ton a ton of stuff from the visualizations of the spaceship to the to the warp core and all kinds of like really cool stuff but also all of the uh the the body switches where he's they're throwing dummies around all over the place is really cool and like can leads to some awesome gags but yeah what did you guys think of the quote-unquote visual effects throughout real quick will i have no familiarity with markiplier did they make this to show off and to demo visual effects was that like a main progenitor of why this exists we'll we'll uh link in the quarter crew video but apparently he's also been watching quarter crew for a long time and like looking at watching like oh man that's a cool way to do this special effect or this is how i would do this and he's and he himself had always wanted to be a an actor so he kind of wanted to push his own skills in those areas and this is not the first one of these he's done there's actually been at least one other one this one just kind of seemed a little more uh on on theme on brand for us yeah so it's like uh, you know, he in general builds YouTube videos. There's a whole like um undercurrent uh what do we call it? Like ARG, like there are definitely some videos in here that lead to um some like behind the scenes lore stuff that's going on in, in the overall overarching uh-huh. markiplier lore. Uh, that's like, uh, why Will referenced it. And that stuff is, I think, way out of our uh, out of our purview. Purview, yeah. Like, for example, at the very end of my playthrough, at least, you see the the warp drive crystal and a white shoe go and pick it up. Do you guys all see that? No. Post credit scene. I never saw credits. So there's like a. So oh, actually, dark... yes, I did. I did see that. I was not sure what that was, what that voice was. Yeah. So apparently Darkiplier is like Markiplier's alter ego and shows up in a bunch of videos and apparently like in canon has killed Markiplier at some, at several points in time and like there's there's a whole lot of other <laughs> stuff going on there that is like extra layer to all his videos. Um. Anyway. That's yeah. very good. I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, Craig, but uh, 
Yeah. So it's Back essentially a passion project from Markiplier. Yeah, absolutely. Back to your question, though, because you did spring up like that he did, I was under the impression, especially from the credits, that it wasn't a solo effort at all, that there was many people involved in this. Was he oh. solely doing the visual effects? No, no, no. I'm sorry if I implied that he was kind of the, he's the overall director, but because he like had so much experience, he like knew the kinds of things that he could that could be done to ask his visual effects teams and ask them to do. Stuff like uh, he explained that there's a point where they walk into a room and show you uh, like the warp drive or something and they have a roof replacement. So they look up and then they look back down or they look into the warp core and you see this really cool looking warp core and then they immediately shut the blast doors to quote unquote prevent radiation in the ship. But it's also so that they don't have to keep rendering out the warp core over and over again so yeah there's a bunch of like cool stuff going on all a whole bunch in there yeah it's it's an interesting question because like your comment about the fact that like nobody's complaining about it i have a pretty low bar for that stuff like i really enjoyed when they came out the marble hornets videos the slender man stuff and they famously had very poor special effects but it was the tone of it was kind of done in the right way where it didn't bother me and things like that. Like it made sense in their lore and everything like that. And this kind of the tone of this movie being sort of jokey and B movie. It's not like I'm expecting some extravaganza of visual effects or anything like that. Like the most impressive thing for me about all that was the set design. I thought like the very like alien inspired, like spaceship hallways and things like that were like expertly crafted and like, there was just, there kept being like practical things that impressed me. Like, uh, yeah, I forget his name, Zerg or whatever it was, his whole helmet with the eyes and things like that. I thought that looked really cool. There were a lot of like specific design things that I thought were great as far as like the visual effects themselves. Um, there was definitely not any wow moments. In fact, replaying it this time and seeing like that asteroid defense, the lasers coming out of the door, I was like, those actually look pretty bad. Um, but I didn't notice it the first time through was the point. Where it was just like, oh yeah, there's lasers. And my brain is just like, okay, there was lasers. It wasn't like I was picking them apart or anything like that. Where I might do that with something that was a bit more high budget, I guess. Did you have anything you want to call out for the FX, Craig? Um, Not specifically. Nothing. I mean, I definitely thought it was an interesting... Um, I, I guess interesting from a budgetary perspective for a youtube video right like i recognize it's under the youtube originals branding but not exactly the typical content that i'm seeing on youtube when i'm watching a lot of different pieces there to see you know people facing in and out or the different types of uh, pixel sorting that was being applied and things like that that nate was able to call out as well when we were doing our second walkthrough so speaking of pixel sorting yeah, for me, something that really stood out is if you've ever kind of gone through the app store looking for photography editing, you'll inevitably get to programs that do what's called a pixel sort algorithm. And they look through an image either vertically or horizontally and look for a sharp, typically, look for a sharp color change. And then they, from that, so imagine you're doing this horizontally and there's a vertical line. So when that vertical line is encountered, it takes all the pixels after that, let's say to the right, and sorts them by their hue. The best thing to do would be to look this up, but you get this really striking effect where like the defined areas of an image look like they're like falling down with grains of sand. 
And there's a lot of that in this in a way that's really cool. I think in After Effects, there's all kinds of different implementations of this. This is like a thing you can do in processing, which is like a programming language to manipulate images. And I just was really excited to see that because it looks really cool and it create, creates a really cool effect. And in some areas, he's doing that just in two dimensions and others like in three. But all the glitch effects are kind of playing up or uh, relying on that, which I thought was really uh it was neat to be able to recognize some of those effects and kind of see them as something sort of that looks really cool and looks professional just in that it looks exactly like what it's supposed to be, like a glitch, but also kind of understand what's going on behind the scenes. I thought that was neat. Also sort of, um, not to call out another YouTube video or anything like that, but uh, it does uh, no, no. remind me of my favorite band, The Deer Hunter. Recently has been working on some new music and the lead singer of the band is actually getting into visual effects or has been into visual effects. And they're like, he, they kind of did a short film and he did all the visual effects for that. So a lot of these conversations that Will's talking about is things I've heard from that context where he was asking people on Twitter, like, oh, I'm like working on this. How, how do I do these kinds of effects and things like that? And actually like seeing him over time, learn these things, and then finally being able to see the end result was super interesting. Um, just just reminds me of it that same idea just from a different uh creator and and viewpoint did you guys have the scene where the screen froze for 10 full minutes that was another interesting visual effect some kind of fractal i think no no <laughs> and i might have <laughs> yeah i'm sure craig would have yeah that might have <laughs> quit the podcast at that point but yeah i think you were in a cryopod <laughs> that froze on you and you like it just played peaceful music as the everything slowly froze, or this the like glass that you were in slowly froze over. Is it literally for ten minutes? Uh, it's ten minute video. I think only two minutes was set up, so it's at least eight minutes. Yeah. Wow. It's it's. I mean, it's I, I'm just kind of beautiful, but yeah, it vibey. Yeah. That I, I mean, there's it's, it's a real pace interrupter. <laughs> many of those moments throughout, though. I mean, when we'll mention the visual effects, also thinking about just the other formats that this kind of takes throughout right and with different places where yeah when it goes to like 8-bit and then into 16-bit yeah. like in part two and then and a visual novel there's like puppets, puppets yeah like i uh, didn't see visual novel or puppets that oh man, man. i'm gonna go play, replay some stuff apparently or the like the scene where it's like real i don't even know how to describe this like real life frames cut out and animated as if they were puppets but still mildly like yeah. 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 So this kind of um, takes me to the part of this podcast I, I want to spend a little bit of time with, which is there's a certain thing about the humor of this YouTube video, uh, what a game, whatever we're calling it, that is um, damn almost funny. Just kind of like, ha ha ha, isn't that cool? Kind of funny, but not like a full hearted chuckle. And, you know, kind of along that line, I kind of want to talk through some of the things that I thought were just kind of cool, kind of funny. So for me, one of them is the name of the ship is the Invincible 2. Which is very funny. Yeah. Why Implying would you need that a... there was an Invincible <laughs> 1 that was destroyed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Or the, um, the, the wakey, wakey protocol every time you wake back up. And it's used in like tons of different contexts. So it's not like a one off or it's like a, a running gag the whole time. Wakey, wakey, the oopsie boopsie, and the. Uh, All the computer stuff, right? Yeah. 
Um, I thought this was really funny, but I one thing I've noticed, um, I don't want to like throw around this word, but uh, almost like something I've heard about autistic people as well is the like the I have a great appreciation for like overacting, like over delivery. Like I'm really for me, comedy is all about delivery and rarely about content. And I really appreciated how well Markiplier was able to like, and all the other actors as well, were kind of able to nail the delivery. It felt exactly like what they wanted it to be. And I laughed out loud a lot at that, but was rarely laughing at the actual like content of things. Mm. So um, you're laughing more at yeah, like the physical think, implementation? Yeah. And just like, there's just something about Markiplier that really vibes with me. And I, maybe it is that overacting. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that a lot, but I think that was, uh, it, it's fun to watch his extremely over animated delivery of everything. Um, yeah, I thought that was an entertaining thing to watch. That wasn't necessarily the humor aspect for me, but that like was keeping you entertained in sections. Yeah. But I saw just the absurdist humor of a lot of it. Um, it wasn't hilarious, but it kept me chuckling throughout. There was very rarely a time where I was like, like actually saying like, that's just dumb or anything like that. You know, like right. there was so many dumb moments, but it wasn't like they, they were coming at you so fast that you didn't have time to say <laughs> that was dumb. And they kind of balanced it out pretty well with a little bit of um, the, the tiniest sprinkle of drama the tiniest sprinkle of philosophy and, and a little bit of, of horror and whatnot. But overall, I thought like, uh, I didn't have the 10 minutes, but I thought like the, the delivery of the jokes were good, but also the pacing of the jokes, I guess is what I'm getting to was good. Yeah. It, it seems like a lot of times in media, when a dumb joke really flops is when a, a joke is dumb, but the, the media itself thinks it's really smart. So it gives it that breathing room to, to let you really bask in it. And those are the moments in which you're like, Ooh, so should I just quit the video? But I feel like this kind of knew nothing here was like hilarious and just kept things rolling. So I'd really like to, at least for a couple of minutes here, stop talking about talking about the jokes and just talk about the jokes for a few minutes. If you guys will be <laughs> on board great. with me for a second. Yeah. Um, Explaining jokes is always the best part of any kind That's of whatever we're here for. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I thought was pretty fun, and actually is now that I'm thinking about it, is one of the YouTubers that I uh, missed is Matt Pat. Matthew Patrick has three YouTube channels, game theory, movie theory, and food theory. And he has it in this like Xbox logo. And there's always been a corner that he has never explained what, or has never decided what that last quote unquote theory channel is going to be. And there was one of the episodes in here where they introduced space theory. And so I thought it was really <laughs> fun that that like completed his good. collection of, of theory channels. And it was like totally, it, it was obviously done by one of his editors, that whole video. And then there's a, a cool music video, 10 minute long music video. Did you guys see that? Wait, what? Oh, no. He has this thing where he he's singing uh, like in a, a acapella. Minutes, though was it? Well, I the video that. was. I don't know if if it was. He was singing for the whole ten minutes, but like he's singing this acapella song about how space is so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the wormhole all had this like 
hybrid vibe between somewhere like Doctor Who wormholes, and then it also kind of felt like a Day of the Tentacle wormholes, like, uh, and then like him, you passing Markiplier in the wormhole, and all the stuff that was going on, all the doors and stuff. Like, I thought that was all kind of cool. Anybody else got anything they thought was kind of cool? As far as the jokes go, I thought the whole noir section, the it was even funnier Work. going back to see it without it, but seeing how different it was, certain scenes played out. Because I had a good, I don't know, like half of the scenes that we watched with no noir, uh, black and white and detective inner monologue voice happening was all with that. Like there was so much with that. So there was a way more um, explanation of everything that was going on because you could literally hear everybody's internal monologues for like a very long time. I thought that was really funny. Like I said, it was just more than anything, like flow of it. The only time throughout this whole thing where I've, I really got kind of like, oh, um, I got into a loop in the part two and in, in the wormhole section where it was just left right choices. I was kind of sad about that because that was the one time where I was like, that's a, that's it's not a, a real choice, right? It was just a dead spot for me because I ended up going to, to like two of the same videos throughout that, trying to find myself through that maze or whatever it was. I um, I really didn't like that one either one because left and right is not a really a choice. That's, I mean, you're just. No, I just picked the same thing every time. Did you guys like toggle? I did like left, left, right, right. And like, I think just, I did right, right, left or something like yeah. that. Like there's no, you have I no. I tried doing the same thing, but I I feel like I did like left three times and then I ended up in the same, same video or something. And then I started just going randomly back and forth. I mean, I guess game design wise, that's a randomizer, right? It gets people into different pathways. But it's just a yeah. YouTube playlist, so it's not really game design is the weird yeah, without part about any, that. Well, without okay. any like knowledge about what your decision actually means, it, it's just nothing. Right. That's yeah. That wasn't yeah. the problem for me. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't the fact that the choice was left and right. It was that there was no clues as to what to choose where I ended up repeating things. Uh, yeah, that, that's Because I literally saying. watched two of the same videos. And at that point, I was like, this was funny the first time and isn't anymore. You right. know, it just killed the, the, the pacing of it for me. I'm sure there were other things I just can't think of. The, I mean, the, the, the funniest thing to me probably was Popper in Reverse. That whole that the great. delivery of Nate the joke, really that one, right? the idea of it, yep. the fact that it was a choice and that they carried through on it was all all great. All right, so here's the thing I need to throw down with you, Nate. I think the Did engineer the was the sense? most profound person in this entire game. <laughs> no, he's just an idiot. <laughs> At best, he's an everyman. It, who it's both, who here, who in this game exists. is smarter than the engineer? I mean, uh, that's that's a high bar. Well. But the grandma that keeps getting swapped for all my character, <laughs> uh, she made cookies. So she did make a lot of cookies. I don't know. I haven't been doing it for long, but the few season two episodes that I've hosted, I've been trying to put a quote from the game into my intro. And I don't know mm -hmm. who's noticed that, but I did have a quote if I had done this one from Will's brilliant engineer. You are a child of the universe, no less than a tree or a star, and you deserve to be here. 
but it's that's it's, what I'm saying. It's literally <laughs> when I looked it up, it's literally a quote from somebody else. So I have a feeling the profound <laughs> things that you're saying that just profound for like is just better parroting. <laughs> parroting no, he other just makes references. That that's why Will well, likes him. That means he's well read. Yes, it's just yeah. a mirror of our friendship. But, and, but in the, like in the when media. he dropped that one about the daisies festering or whatever, like that, like somebody even said in the scene, they were like, "What?" Because like. Sure, that's a, that's a profound thing to say, but right now, that's what you're going to go with is also like a kind of an idiot moment. Will just thinks people that make references are really funny, and I think it's really stupid, and that's the entire disagreement here. Yeah. All right, we're yeah. all set. <laughs> yep. All right. So he's he's both the smartest and the dumbest. All right. I don't get what he was. He was clearly an archetype. What was he an archetype of? A Mario, like a fat plumber. Like it, it, that's a reference to something, right? I, I don't know if it was a specific reference. Like he's got vibes of like, didn't fit the aesthetic silent Bob. In, and he's got the, vibes of in the bloopers and behind the scenes video. I don't know if you guys watched that or not, Did um, not. but they, they called him out as a, what's the, um, team fortress. They called him out as a oh, team fortress a reference. character. Okay. Yeah. yeah the engineer. That's right? hilarious. Yeah. They literally named him okay. that in, in the behind like the scenes Like the engineer video. vibe has been around. Sure. For, yeah. I guess you're right. That it's kind of a like a broad cultural archetype at this point. Do you know why they doubled down so much on like references in part two? It feels like there was way more pop culture references with like the graphics, with the way that things work, right? There was like a Carmen Sandiego reference. There was the first person <laughs> shooter like video montage that we thought was doom related there was a don't talk and nobody explodes segment a video game oh. segment there was a no don't talk and nobody explodes segment yeah there was yeah. like a bomb defusal and oh okay choose so yeah, that is that calling that uh don't <laughs> that's that's a that's not a reference to that game that's just I mean, a, that's that's a trope and that's what yeah. i felt it was more than references they did a lot of tropes. Um, That's a good way of calling it. You're right. Yeah, tons of tropes. Yeah. Like the whole but, detective story, the serial yeah, the killer thing was for horror. Like I had no idea what the restaurant scene with the fucking cook that kept appearing was. Did you guys get that? that? Was, no, but I it's, thought that scene was great. I have not watched it, but isn't that a... a, a what's the North by North? No, uh, what's the... The the surreal show that everybody likes that I couldn't even watch, uh, Twin Peaks. Isn't Twin that a Peaks, Twin Peaks yeah. reference? First? It very well could have been. been. It felt like the second part had just a lot of references. And to your point about even the engineer, right? Like there was, it felt like everything in here was referencing something, whether you got it or not. It felt, well... I yeah. mean, obviously, we talked about this in our overviews, but obviously, I think the whole point of the second part was it's like here are a bunch of alternate realities, alternate universes, and so you could have as many of those as you really wanted uh, just before you got to the end. Like it all, it all didn't matter, but in in not mattering, that's why they mattered. Hey guys, what 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 happened in this? Can you give me like a two sentence plot? Not even describing what happened in your story, but like describing the setup because i picked such choices that i don't really understand what was happening what the situation was or what even the goals were are you familiar with the bootstrap paradox uh i know bootstrap it's a old twitter thing to make websites 
And the uh, paradox is that it's irrelevant. In in a <laughs> in timeline, uh, uh-huh. con- uh, continuity stuff. The bootstrap yep. paradox is something that exists because somebody went back in time and gave it to themselves. Yes. Okay. This is where I fear that the fact that we pre-recorded what happened in the movie may be redundant for the listeners. But oh, I think the the su- summation that you're looking for, Nate, is the warp drive that they used to get to another planet was a paradoxical warp drive. It wasn't created until they used it to go into the wormhole and then they had infinite time and lives to recreate it after it was destroyed. So it could oh, so be created for the first the time. Other scenarios. So Mark creates the warp drive after they leave and they use that to get to the planet at the end. Okay. But, uh, that's it. That's the whole story. And there's lots of fun on the way. Yeah. Lots of fun so are, so all the other things are possible other parallel universes you're switching between? Exactly. No, they had to yes, go through no, every single actually, one. They specific well, they specifically call out that you're jumping between universes. Right. Okay. I, I feel like that's so, a that's a philosophical question you just asked there, Nate. But I believe that they had to go through every <laughs> single one of those in order to, for this to work. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So nice, um, simple explanation. That leads me to one of my overall thoughts on this. I don't know if it's too soon to get kind of big picture, but I thought this was really fun to watch, but I I have a hard time with media that I can't like describe after watching like what happened in yeah. the thing I just watched. What what was the point? What did I gain from watching that? I think we're at a good enough spot. Why don't you just bring us home, Nate? Why don't you give us your full thoughts and our rating? Yeah, I think I had a really good time with this. It was really fun. I really like Markiplier. I find him to have a very radiant personality in a way that I have a hard time explaining. He's very funny. I I just like enjoyed every minute of watching it in a way that's pretty uncommon for me. Um, that being I said, I did, and yeah, I I'm very like, um, I get personality authenticity driven. It feels like he is like present here this feels like i i don't know i don't i don't know how to put this into words it just it feels very authentic to me in a way it felt like we were seeing something that he really wanted to make and that's really important to me and it makes me enjoy media a lot more when it feels like it's something that the creator is present for um so that was really cool and i enjoyed every moment of it however the more that i watched the more that i was cognizant of the fact that i didn't really know where this was going or what the point of it was or kind of the you know, some media I watch and suspend my need to know what's going on. There are things like a Tarkovsky film or something where you're you're just there for the vibes, man. And whatever the director kind of, the journey the director takes you on is kind of cool. This didn't feel quite like that. This felt like it was trying to kind of have an overarching plot and either the choices I made or kind of the way that this was made didn't like get me to understand what was happening. And that's I kept picking a lot of silly choices, so that's probably on me. But when I came away from it, I felt like I spent two hours on something that was really fun in the moment, but didn't really have any overall meaning, which makes it kind of hard for me to like recommend or be too passionate about. Um, and in that way, it struck me a lot as how I kind of see a lot of YouTube content, especially, I, I guess, maybe more Twitch content. It's good in the moment, but like at the end of the day, when you've watched like your entire workday of someone playing a game, I don't know what you're really... 
I mean, I guess if you're watching someone play a game, you've seen the plot of the game. But I, yeah, I, I think it's it kind of harkens back to some of what alienates me about a lot of kind of YouTube content in general, which is that like it's really meaningful and personal and beautiful, and there's so much effort into it. But I don't I don't understand what the point of it was. Um. Yeah, maybe maybe some of your guys' reflections might help reflect back and answer that question to me. All right, so to tell you the point, Craig, why don't you give us your uh, review? Oh, I'm not the person you want to come to for that then. Because <laughs> um, I, I actually mirror Nate in a lot of the ways of how I interacted with this content. I mentioned at the top of this that there's tons of YouTube channels that I watch, right? But a lot of them are focused on like an academic bent or something where I am going into it because I'm looking to learn or get some new observation or, you know, a different perspective about the world. And this was a place where I was like, oh, this is just entertainment. Great. Let's pop into it. And as I was interacting with the first part of it, I was fully there with it. And then as we went further into the wormholes and the ways that we started to go into different segments and vignettes, I kind of lost the thread and that I guess broke the experience for me in some ways where I lost kind of that pull to see all of the options that were coming and that were available. Right. And it became much more of like, okay, these smaller segments are either hit or miss for me where some of them I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty dang funny. Right. And some of that not belly laugh but like you know a good chuckle at it and in some segments that i was like i don't have any idea what how this ties into the overarching narrative that is trying to be sold and that's where i had a lot of challenges with trying to be like did i walk away from this after two hours or two and a half hours and thoroughly enjoyed my time with it and i wouldn't say yes to that but i also wouldn't say that i actively like disliked my time with it to me it was just a lot of different kind of hit and miss but it did make me more interested in markiplier and what other content he creates that's maybe shorter form and seeing if i understood some of that would i have a different connection to some of the other characters that show up here or the other people that are in it is there references that are more kind of an in joke for people that have you know consumed his content previously as well um but there's clearly a lot of passion that went into this project also, right? So there was, there was something about it that felt truly earnest and, you know, like a group of friends having a fucking ball of a time making a silly space content and like throwing everything they had at the wall and some of it stuck and some didn't. And for that, like, you know, I'm here for that. So that was actually pretty fun. Um, overall. I think it was an interesting concept to explore and probably had a little bit more misses than hits for me overall, but still had a pretty good time and a better time watching it with friends the second time through. So I think if you can like do a theater experience of kind of, you know, being able to watch it in that sort of context with other people, I think that's the way to do it. I'll just go ahead and jump in next, particularly because I feel very similar to like what you're feeling there, Craig. I was kind of interested in this because it kind of, you know, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. It kind of tests the limits of what a quote unquote game is, you know, right up to the limit, maybe even beyond, maybe it's not, who knows, but like this interactive storytelling 
I think is interesting in, in that, you know, I've played a lot of visual novels which are less game than this. So, you know, I think it's interesting to kind of explore the area a bit. Um, I think I was mentioning in our chat before, a lot of the the comedy, you know, got me to smile, got me to grins, didn't ever really take me into like actual laughter, full on belly laughs. So it's like it almost worked. And for me, um, kind of like Craig was saying, it worked a lot better when I could, you know, put my own dad humor on it and be like hey hey you guys you got it you know nudge nudge you, you see you saw the part where he did that three times that's that's funny right yeah you know what i mean you know you know you know what i'm saying so like uh i totally get like making it a community experience um kind of really added to the overall uh experience for me um as far as like game design i think we called this out a bit before but its biggest flaw for me is the choices. There was not, um, with with a few exceptions, it was far more often that your choices were not like informed choices. The the worst being like pick left or right, and probably the best being the part where you're pitched two different choices by different characters. One take yourself into the wormhole, or two call for help. Like those they actually explored what are the ramif- what could ha- potentially happen when you make this choice what are the ramifications and it actually felt like a well-informed choice that you're making and like in order to feel more gamey the ability to kind of understand that understand what it is that i'm choosing before i make the choice is a lot is important i'm curious in in games like this i can be compelled to like replay and go and see all the edges and see you know kind of for my own edification want to figure out what are the edges how do they make a complete tree structure like branch back in on itself you know the most obvious in this case is that there's episode one and episode two and episode two just starts in one place so whatever you do in episode one you're just going to start all together in episode two and then, like, how many different endings of episode one, how many different endings of episode two, it's all kind of unknown. And, you know, in general, I would like to go back and figure that out and learn more about what, what are all the details. But I'm not really driven to do that for this game. And I'm wondering if, one, it's because it takes a lot of time. And I'm, I'm kind of more interested in, like, going to look up a wiki or something to, to kind of explain things for me. So that for me is kind of a indictment of it as a game that I would rather just, you know, look up a walkthrough or something to understand it rather than go experience it for myself. So that kind of takes away from my overall enjoyment of the game as overall. I think I had a positive time. I'm, I don't regret having done this and I, I like, you know, having experienced it with you guys, but was not by any means the most exciting thing I've ever played. And for the last word, why don't you bring us home, Bali? Sure thing. So yeah, I was uh, pretty... I was a little worried coming into this because I've never experienced anything through Markiplier, nothing against him or anything like that. Had no reason to like or dislike, just no experience at all. So I was worried there could be like 
am I prepared to get into this? I think I expressed that concern to Nate when he brought it up to me, but I ended up really, uh, really enjoying my time with it. I feel like I'm a bit less analytical about it than you folks. Um, just cause I feel like to me, it just came off as a movie. One of these like interactive movies, like Bandersnatch from uh, black mirror. They put out a while ago. There've been a couple of these on, on Netflix similar to the games. Um, I forget the name of the company, but we'll, we're going to have to link it. I know the complex is one of the games they put out, but it's a, a British studio that does a lot of these interactive fiction games, but it felt like more of a movie to me, more of just a sit back. You're thinking of Wales interactive. Wales interactive. Thank you, Nate. Yeah. Um, I want to play like all their games. They're always a good time. Yeah. And I, I, I Actually, I enjoyed this a lot more than any of those that I've played, and it felt like less of a game Same, to me. Actually. Uh, there, it felt like there was less choices, a lot more watching, and a lot more. For me, this was just sit back and enjoy, and that's why when I brought it up as more of a movie than a game, um, I didn't mean it at all as the negative things. I love watching movies. I don't ha hold one above the other in any respect or anything like that, but overall, I was just thoroughly entertained and one thing this made me think of is like the fact that this is the first time i've ever seen anything like this on youtube but also it's so easy to do on youtube because of their playlist functionality yeah. i would hope that this inspires more because it's it's perfect for that type of content and i'm kind of surprised this is the first i'm hearing of it although i know that there's other forms of it out there i just am ignorant to them um, i really wanted to express the same opinion that i if anything comes of this it's that I hope that more people are inspired to do similar things. Yeah, because, I mean, I watch YouTube, uh, as we, from the intro, you could guess, I watch YouTube videos on my phone all the time, and this was so easy to just pop on my phone and every now and then hit this this way or that way or whatever and just sit back and enjoy enjoy the ride. I didn't feel like I needed to get much out of this, but I was pleasantly surprised with my playthrough, at least, and I understand you other your other folks playthroughs where if it was left a lot of questions opened but i was really worried because when i got to the the first credits at the end of one i even asked the group are we playing part two because i was way less impressed because the end of that is pretty much the world explodes and you're in a void so it doesn't really tell you what happened but by the end of part two it's i felt like it wrapped everything up and there was a lot of like plot threads along the way that didn't necessarily like make a whole lot of sense to me. But at the same time, I felt like a lot of that could just be my inexperience with Markiplier. A lot of it just felt like jokes. And I was fine with that, like almost like a skit comedy or something like that. Why did they have this dad reference in here was just, you know, it's a funny skit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, seemed like fun watching the, um, bloopers and behind the scenes afterwards i thought i got a lot out of that too and, and understood the making of it a little bit more but uh i just really enjoyed it i think i will definitely want to check out more markiplier stuff because i love his exuberance and his energy in this and i hope the voice hope to get more of it uh, through his other content um but really dug it happy that it was suggested i would go with a eight out of ten on one of the scales that nobody else uses so <laughs> definitely recommend people check it out. I will definitely share this with friends and family and things like that, as I think it's a fun thing to do with other people as well. 
So if you made it all the way through to my part without watching this at all, which is ridiculous of you, thank you. Check it out. That's my recommendation. And thank you for joining us. That was our episode for In Space with Markiplier.